and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay, profit and purpose. What's more important? And let, let me start by saying this is a pretty daft question in my book when it comes to business. Personally, I would say they are inextricably linked. I'd also venture to say that if you polled a random selection, say, of leaders today, we would probably get a set of responses heavily biased towards profit. Even in these more enlightened times where purpose garners a more favourable position in the tools of successful business, I suspect it will still play second fiddle to profit, with very few people question rebutting the question and saying that they're linked. And why is that? Why are the two seen as either or in many people's eyes? Or is that not true? Am I just peddling a position to be provocative? That it's not actually about that. It's not reflective of what business leaders believe today. After all, if a guy like Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, one of the largest investment funds on the planet, has issued a letter to all CEOs of companies saying companies must benefit all of their stakeholders, including shareholders, employees, customers, and the communities in which they operate, which without a sense of purpose, no company, either public or private, can achieve its full potential. So is the tide changing? Maybe some of the problem is that purpose itself is conflated. Is it about doing worldly good? Or is it just about pursuing a bigger reason behind what you're doing on a day-to-day basis than just making money? Is there a difference? Or is it as simple as thinking about the social impact a business has and what it wants to have going forwards? Maybe the go-forward business trinity is purpose, profit, and social impact. Well, here with me today to discuss all this and more is Elizabeth Latardo. Elizabeth is a consultant, researcher, and co-author of Selling with Noble Purpose, How to Drive Revenue and Do Work That Makes You Proud. She's authored over 20 LinkedIn learning courses and works with clients like Hilton, Fiserv, and G Adventures. And I'm really looking forward to hearing her views and advice on this topic today. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's great to be here. It's lovely to see you. I'm going to say again, because we've spoken before on another gig uh, with Engage for Success, where we, we, again, we talked about purpose, but it was a great conversation. And I thought, what a fantastic opportunity to get you onto this show. Well, I'm excited to continue the conversation. And even though I know both of us are like minds on this inextricably linked notion of purpose and profit, I think times have really changed even in the last several months and how business as a whole views those two things. I think that's 
entirely true and i can't wait to hear what you've got to say about it and uh, and have a chat about it but just to help the listeners who perhaps don't know as much about you as, as i do could you perhaps just give us a brief better introduction than i did into what you do and what you're currently focused on at the moment well, I thought your introduction was fabulous. Oh, and fun fact for the listeners, I did send over a couple of talking <laughs> points. So you hit the highlights. I'm the co-author of Selling with Noble Purpose, a sales book on how to both drive revenue and do work that makes you proud. Mm. I'm also a LinkedIn learning instructor. I have courses on sales, on leadership, on igniting emotional engagement. And currently I'm working on a consulting basis with a number of organizations. Everything from we need a purpose and we don't have one to we have a purpose how can we live it breathe it operationalize it in an even bolder way in the future so that's how i spend most of my days in addition to talking to fabulous people like yourself <laughs> bless you well i mean that sounds like so much fun and entirely rewarding at the same time right because if you're anything like me when you're working with clients either on that discovery phase or in that kind of like embedding bringing to life phase there's so much so much to it so much depth and yet at the same time you're trying to keep things high level and simple so people kind of get it i mean that to me is the description of fun work right and a purpose project for lack of a better term should be fun right we don't want to approach finding our purpose or activating our purpose in a way that makes everyone tired that's the last thing people want to feel in the cadence of daily business so consulting can be pretty granular but i do do my best to make it fun and rewarding and exciting. oh absolutely so look let's get stuck into this stuff today right when when we're thinking about this relationship between profit on one hand and purpose on the other why is this even a question right why is it a question about either or or are they linked well i think it's a question for a number of reasons okay. first our our deep history in business leans us towards that profit side of the the spectrum and spectrum isn't even really the right word because they are linked but leads us to an overemphasis on profit right mm. This is because for so long, centuries even, emotion was stripped out of business. We see it even now on shows like Shark Tank and certain <laughs> business writings. There's no need to get emotional about this inherently very emotional thing. And we've done our best as people to strip away any type of fluffy stuff from work. What the research tells us now is that that was actually a mistake. And that the organizations who harness the fluffy stuff, who use that power for good, who win the hearts and minds of their teams and their customers, they are higher performing organizations than their transactional emotionless peers. And we've all seen that play out, right? Both in our own work and in the companies we buy from. When people really care, the experience on both sides, employee and customer, is drastically different. So I think historically, we've fallen into this trap that profit is the end game of business that was perpetuated by countless business leaders the new book about uh, GE, The Man Who Broke Capitalism, is a really fantastic account of one example. But now we have this body of research telling us that that's actually not the best the best course for one, profitability, but two, the human spirit. So I think the conversation is shifting, again, even just in the last year or so. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because a few years ago, GE was the story everybody had to kind of follow. You know, oh, if you're going to make money for shareholders... This right. is the route map, right? And nowadays, not so much. Even 
I don't know. It feels like it's even getting back to the core essence of the service profit chain to me, which was about happy happy employees means happy customers, which then means happy shareholders, right? In that order of relationship, which feels the bit like the way we're getting today with the addition of what the wider impact is on the community in which you work, right? And ultimately, that's how GE started. It was a fascinating read for me, this book. If you're listening to this, I highly recommend you read it if you're into the purpose-profit connection. But GE started out as an employer who was hugely equitable, had a sideline into the communities they operated in, truly believed that happy employees created happy customers, created happy shareholders. And only when Jack Welch took reign did that start to erode. And because GE was so massive, yeah. It took a couple of decades for it to fully erode. And what we see now is that organizations who don't have the scale, who don't have the history of delivering like that, they can erode their business in a matter of months by overemphasizing profitability. Yeah, I think it is it easy to say, but missing out the whole human piece of this is crazy when you say it out loud. Because unless it's kind of a computer-to-computer, server-to-server-only-ever business, it always comes down to people on both sides of the equation, right? And so it all comes down to connection to something. And when we come and talk about purpose, do you think that some confusion lies perhaps in the definition around purpose itself? Or do you think that is really ultimately incredibly clear now? I think there's confusion in just about everything in this world (laughs) we live in, including the purpose space. But I think most of the confusion in the purpose space is well-intended. So for me and my business, I believe purpose is a function of what you do on a commercial level, Mm. why you exist as a business, the value you add to your customers, what people pay you for. I think the word purpose gets used really frequently in ESG conversations and social governance conversations, gets used really frequently in philanthropy conversations, Mm. gets used really frequently in diversity, equity, and inclusion conversations. All of those conversations are important, but we apply this word of purpose to mean a whole host of things. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many business leaders today are overwhelmed by the the conversation around purpose is there's no clear definition and that makes approaching it and more importantly, utilizing it for employee and customer growth really challenging. Yeah, I mean, I think from our previous conversation, we both agreed that one of the issues around purpose is it not being really grounded in the reality of what the business does, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think I think you said something along the lines. If I'm if I'm miscrediting you or putting a phrase that you would never utter, that that's my bad memory, right? But I think you said that not everybody's business can solve cancer, right? As a, yeah, as a, that as sounds like something I would say, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. We're we're not all curing cancer, we're not all saving the world, but all businesses have value. Otherwise, they wouldn't exist. Hundred percent. So I I think that that's an interesting thing around this definition of purpose. Like, take Patagonia, right? The news just recently around, I mean, he's an amazing guy, right? Right. An amazing guy. He has clearly instilled a huge purpose around protecting the planet uh, within his business. And he's now going to manifest that in the ultimate, I I guess, gesture of just giving it away, (laughs) right? Now, that's not the same for everybody right that's that that pursuit of purpose is not all about saving the planet or giving everything away or in that philanthropic kind of driven perspective to your point 
it can be just about as well, what are we here to do commercially as a business that's bigger than just selling nuts and bolts, right? Yeah. And so many businesses sell themselves short because they think, you know, we're not Patagonia, right? We're not Greenpeace. We're not the ACLU as we have in America. So we don't get to be involved in the purpose conversation. But the reality is, if you have customers who are buying from you, you are adding value. People don't throw money around for no reason, at least not for long. The challenge is to be really clear about the impact you're having on those customers and keep that impact as the North Star of your daily business. Make it actually real instead of just some copy that sits on a website. And I think this is perhaps one of the issues that makes makes it difficult for people. I don't know whether making the leap is is correct. You know, I sort of said at the start that the if I polled an imaginary bunch of people, most people would say profit. I don't know if that's true, right? It, I have a feeling it's not maybe a hundred percent out of whack, but I don't think it's necessarily as reflective as what the the reality of the situation is, right? But I think is this kind of confusion and this worldliness a problem in actually getting measurable benefit out of what purpose does for business? Now, look, I, I, I your book, your position will argue that well, we can find evidence everywhere, right? But I think it's hard for some people to kind of get that grip. You mentioned the word fluffy. It's a trigger for me because I think some of those softer human things, people wrap up as fluffy because they think they're just less important, right? Mm-hmm. We're not saying we're not saying that, but how do you think these things all kind of like intertwine and and come together? And and is there the evidence? So there is the evidence, but the evidence is really specific. Mm. I think EY Ernst & Young released a great piece on this a couple of years ago called Is Your Purpose Lectured or Lived? And it speaks to just that, not getting the value of purpose after you make the investment in creating a purpose, finding a purpose, you know, whatever you, terminology you want to use there. And what they found was that A lot of organizations will hire a really expensive ad agency or spend a lot of time with a lot of consultants crafting a purpose, right? And that's a good start. And then they put the purpose on a website and maybe even make some t-shirts about it. Yeah, That's good too. But when it stops there, you fail to reap the economic benefits of it. Your employee engagement doesn't change beyond a near-term blip. Your customers don't perceive you any differently. And ultimately, your growth rate isn't going to be impacted by doing that work. Where the meat really comes in is when organizations are able to go beyond just finding the purpose and make it the core of daily business, where purpose becomes the lens for decision-making, be it product development, innovation, hiring, all of those things. Purpose is the North Star those decisions go through. Purpose is a real thing in the hearts and minds of employees, and they see how their specific job be it an accountant, a product developer, an HR, how their role connects to the purpose. And when purpose becomes hugely evident for customers, which is a result of how you innovate with purpose in mind, when your customers would nod in agreement that that is what you actually do for them, not just some copy on a website, right? We've all been a customer at organizations who profess to be purpose-driven, and then you call into customer service and your experience as a customer (laughs) feels far from purpose-driven, looking at you 
to AT&T. But <laughs> I think it, that's where some of the confusion lies is we think oftentimes that coming up with the purpose is the hard work. And while it can certainly be challenging, especially if you have a complex business, it's only just the beginning of the journey if you truly want to reap the economic and emotional benefits of that. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. And this is why for me, and this comes through sometimes in the client work that you, that I end up doing, is this very close relationship between purpose and values. I mean, the way you describe the the purpose piece around, you know, putting some words on a T-shirt or, you know, in a, in a manual, um, but then it's got no bearing on what actually happens. People in the business cannot see themselves delivering that purpose. It's such the same with sets of values that you know adorn the wall, wall murals everywhere in every office that you can walk into, but there is no connection to them. There's no ability for the employee to see themselves living those values on a daily basis. They're not talked about. They're not highlighted. They're not called out. You know, and I love the fact you talk about involving it in decision making. You know, for me, the value side of the equation is a conscience, right? Yeah. Values aren't for when the good times are here. They're there to help you make decisions when it's tough, right? They're that kind of like spine of conscious inside. And this is where I think it's really quite closely related to, to purpose, right? In the same sense that, look, we're here to deliver this. We're here to head in this direction. Yeah, we're going to have to follow that if that's true to us. And so let's all kind of get on with it. Let's not hide from it. Let's not bring it out when the sun's shining and, oh, today looks like a good day to deliver purpose stuff. Let's right. let's do some purpose. Today, it's a bit hard. We might lose a bit of money if we do that. Let's put it, put it away. It's a real commitment, isn't it? It is a real commitment. There's a famous story about values from a uh, many years ago, and it was when the Enron debacle was first oh, starting to break in the news. Yeah. And Enron actually had their values etched in stone in their corporate headquarters. They etched it in this giant piece of marble that sat in the lobby. And the number one value etched in stone, integrity. integrity. And I think that just goes to show the words on the page, be them on a website, on an employee manual, or literally etched in stone are just that without actions. They're just words. And I think back to the reverse of that, a really powerful example of living your values, Southwest Airlines, right? Mm. Their purpose is to democratize the skies. It's a, a budget-ish airline here in the U.S. So 10, 12 years ago, I think it was, a lot of other airlines, Delta, United, Global Airlines, decided that they were going to charge for checked baggage, right? It was going to be, you know, even though we've been doing this all along, now it's $35 for you to take <laughs> stuff with you on vacation. So Southwest Group of Accountants went to the board and said, listen, if we hop on this train, everyone else is already doing it. We won't be the bad guys because everyone else is already doing it. We can add, you know, uh, several million dollars to the bottom line of just profit. We had no extra expenses. We're loading these bags anyway. We are just going to charge people for them. Southwest Purpose democratize the skies, right? This is, creates a little bit of tension. Mm. We're talking about something that would go against our purpose, but add a lot of money to the bottom line. They ultimately decided not to do it because it was not in keeping with their purpose. They said it is against our North Star to democratize the skies if we start charging for bags. Full stop. We're not going to do it. 
Instead, they launched an ad campaign that was bags fly free. Nice. Again, all of their competitors <laughs> have announced within the span of eight to 12 months that no longer can you take your stuff with you on vacation for, for free. You have to pay for it. Hmm. Southwest, true to their purpose, is saying our purpose is democratize the skies, bags fly free. Southwest added a hundred million dollars to their bottom line, which pales in comparison to the 10 or 15 they would have added had they started charging for bags because their purpose gave them a sight line to differentiation. They said, if our purpose is to democratize this, guys, we're going to act like that. And because no one else was acting like that, they were able to capture the market in a way that their competitors failed to do. So I think the two sides of that, Enron, right, having the same words-ish, integrity, etched in stone in the marble lobby, but not actualizing them in decision, versus Southwest also having a purpose and values and really living by them. The two could not be more different in terms of result and how we view them today, even a decade plus later from their decisions long ago. Oh, absolutely famous examples. Um great examples of what employer brand and consumer brand do when they match up right, right? and when they don't match up and you know the the marble the marble stone thing about enron is just brilliant it's classic it's something i use all the time when we talk about values with clients because other than integrity being a trigger for me which listeners of podcast will be bored of me talking about the fact that it was then etched in granite and okay. then they behaved like in a completely anti-values oh. way. It's just a classic watch-out story. I'm interested in what you've just said, though, reading between the lines maybe a bit, because there seems to be this other piece of friction between a short-term attitude, like the accountants at Southwest says, hey, we can get $10 million on the bottom line if we do this, versus the long-term view of, you know what, we, we might not make the, the little bits and pieces today, but in the long run, we're going to be in a much better situation. And from my perspective, I think purpose, values, culture focus, they all suffer from the short-term focus and the, the need to get results now. Whether that's because they are VC-backed or whatever it might be, there's a real need for short-term and a reluctance perhaps for long-term. Now, in all the work that you do and the book that you've written, is that right? Is is that alive and well? That 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 fight between short term today and long term tomorrow. That's a fight when it relates to purpose, and I think tons of other elements sure. of business. Right, the need for short term profitability is real. Right, of payroll course. is due on Friday, and if people yeah. <laughs> don't get paid, purpose isn't really going to put food on the table tomorrow. Purpose is a longer term initiative. That said, there are some real wins for it in the immediate future. Things like recruiting, things like retention, really costly short-term endeavors that we know can, can be made more impactful by something like purpose. That said, I think we kind of throw our hands up at all. It's a long-term strategy. We don't have time. And to me, long-term, that's a moving target and never has long-term been more immediate than now, right? We see organizations or employers getting canceled overnight. We see people rising to fame in a matter of days, thanks to TikTok. So I think to throw your hands up and say, well, it's a long-term strategy. It's going to take us 18, 24 months to see any type of benefit. 
That's not necessarily the case. Don't underestimate how quickly word can spread. And the reality is we have all kinds of examples of people who have harnessed the power of purpose and within a month seen exponential results from it. I mean, that's that's entirely true. I think there are long-term gains, but there can be immediate impact, right? These things do take time to embed. You, you, you don't change a culture overnight, but you can impact it and you can you can yeah. set out a stall and you can make change happen, right? It does take longer. But when you're talking about really good examples of companies that have really committed to a purpose, have really kind of seen the benefits, which ones outside of the ones we've mentioned so far today spring to mind for you as ones you hold up and talk about to people and why so that is? There, there's a lot of commonality in the purpose space like everyone thinks patagonia right? right of course they're in the news for purpose everyone thinks you know anything in the nonprofit space is directly correlated to purpose but to me the more interesting examples are how organizations that perhaps weren't as differentiated or esg focused have mm. used the power of purpose to create really special places to work and really special places to buy from so one organization that I talk a lot about in Selling with Noble Purpose mm. is Atlantic Capital Bank. They recently acquired their former name is Atlantic Capital Bank, but they're a commercial bank. And there's thousands of commercial banks in the United States alone. Yeah, And their offerings are not hugely differentiated, <laughs> right? They're not offering 0% loans. Their, their rates are, are fair based on the market and based on their competitors. Mm. But- they have harnessed the purpose. We fuel prosperity to create a culture that is so magnetic. They were one, able to attract employees that drove innovation, that drove culture, that drove customer, customer growth and customer wins. And two, their customers started to feel the difference. And it leaks out. And I say leak in a really good way in a million tiny, tiny ways, right? You can feel it when you interact with someone who's all in from a customer service perspective. You can feel it when the organization you're buying from actually cares about you versus, you know, press 18 to talk to a human. Yeah. So I think we're trapped in a way by looking to Patagonia, by looking to organizations like here in the US, we have St. Jude, by looking to Tesla, even with their electric vehicles, we're trapped in this thinking that in order to harness the power of purpose, we have to have breakthrough offerings that are completely differentiated and you know make a huge dent in the universe from an environmental or social perspective. And those things are great. But the reality is you can be a bank. You can be a plumbing manufacturer. I wrote about one of them in Selling with Noble Purpose. You can be a travel agent. And don't underestimate the work that you do and the impact that it has, because when you claim that impact and you use it as a North Star, it's only just the beginning of what you can accomplish. Is, are, are there any specifics that you could share from Atlantic to sort of why they set themselves apart in a commoditized world, really, that they operate in? But I think they were able to do that for a couple of really important reasons. First, this sense of purpose was innate in them. It wasn't as clear and defined, but their founders founded the organization wanting to make a difference, recognizing mm. that the commercial banking space, particularly Atlanta, where they home offices, was really 
hairy and challenging for clients to deal with and didn't have great solutions. Mm -hmm. So there was a true north at the heart of the business from the get-go, which made it a little bit easier. They just didn't have the words to describe it. And I think that's a trap for a lot of organizations as they get bigger, that inherent kind of we're doing something feeling is challenging to scale without clarity of language. I think another reason they were able to do it in addition to having this North Star kind of innate to the heart of the business is that the market was ripe for it. And again, we think all the time about organizations who are these breakthrough innovators, but in a commoditized space, much Mm. like banking, much like manufacturing, these gritty businesses, they're ripe for an organization to break out and do something differently from a cultural and a customer success perspective. So I think the two of those things were were big factors in how they were able to differentiate. And the third would be the need for innovation, right? This kind of connected to point number two in a commoditized space. Mm. When you have purpose as a North Star, you're able to think differently as an organization. Everything from where you invest in, the types of customers you win, how you support those customers. Over time, that's, again, that longer term strategy. You really start to see gains there. And all three of those things, the the North Star at the heart of your business, the commoditized space and a push for innovation, those three work together really well and can make purpose really sticky inside the right organization. And let's let's maybe take a bit of a leap and think about the internal the internal benefits around purpose, right? So if we take a phenomenon, I say I use the word phenomenon probably incorrectly, but if you think about something like quiet quitting, which is all over the, yeah. the papers over here right now, right? I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I, I, there's a bit of me that feels annoyed, and there's a bit of me that feels like a grumpy old man. Like, come on, we're all <laughs> we're all kind of here to work. And there's a bit of me that sort of says it's probably come out of employers taking the Mickey, like like mm-hmm. pushing employees too hard no empathy no kind of like conscience around it but if we think about putting purpose into action i mean that my, my feeling i'm interested in your view my feeling is that purpose driven organization should with the right behavior have less of a cause to worry about something like quiet quitting right i agree and this quiet quitting conversation bothers me a little bit because mm. i think we apply that term to too many things that are different, right? So quiet quitting, people mean everything from I'm no longer going to check my email at 9 p.m., which should be an acceptable course of action in most (laughs) roles and most organizations versus I'm not going to care anymore. I'm not going to take on any projects. I'm going to emotionally disconnect from this entirely. Those two things are drastically different. Massively so. Massively so. And we use this term, we, I guess, like LinkedIn and the world, use this term quiet quitting to apply to both, which makes no sense because they're drastically different behaviors and results in drastically different outcomes. So for me... If an organization is purpose-driven, back to your question, does that make them not immune, but less susceptible to something like quiet quitting? Mm. I think it does, particularly on the emotional engagement side. And this is what the research tells us, right? 
when someone is fully emotionally engaged in their work, they literally use different parts of their brain. Yeah. They're using their frontal lobes. They're better strategic thinkers. If you give someone whose frontal lobe is engaged a math problem, they are more likely to solve it than someone who is using <laughs> the middle part of their brain. So certainly we know that when purpose ignites the frontal lobes, when we know we're in for something bigger than ourselves, we show up to work differently. That said, I do think there's a flip side to where if you do care so deeply about your work and you don't take time to disconnect, you can become burnt out easily. So I don't think purpose-driven organizations are necessarily immune from things like burnout, but I do think they're less likely to fall into a trap of lack of engagement, which to me is more insidious in the quiet quitting conversation. Yeah, the the silent majority is where the problem is, I, I think, with this stuff. But I'm I'm hundred percent beside you on the the kind of uncomfortableness with with how quiet quitting in its original essence has been kind of blown out to be. I'm just right. working to rule. If it's not in my job description, forget about it. I'm not doing it. Uh, and you can't ask me to do that. I, that that's that's. I don't think that's where it started out. I think that's where it's it's kind of been taken. Um, okay. I'm thinking here as well, though, that we've talked about benefits. We've talked about some great examples. We've talked about the connection uh, internally. We've talked about North Star and everybody kind of like feeling feeling where they're going. In some businesses, they're still not connected. They might be there independently, but they're still not connected. From your perspective, from the research that you've done, from the clients that you've worked with, what are the secrets to connecting the two successfully And what are some of the biggest lessons that we could learn that you've taken from others? Well, I'll start with one of the biggest mistakes that people make when when it comes to connecting purpose and profit. And that is to wait for someone to do it for you. (laughs) To wait for your CEO to get up there and spell out just how exactly your job connects to the noble purpose, to use my own language, of this organization, or to wait until there's a big seminar about your purpose. The reality is we are each in control of our own destiny and finding purpose at work is a choice. It's great if your organization is championing that. It is exceptional if you have a CEO or a senior leader who messages that on a regular basis. That's what I help clients do. Mm. But they're not imperatives. They're not required for having a meaningful work experience. You can create a purpose-driven culture inside your own cubicle or inside your own laptop if you're working from home. It's all about dialing into your ripple effect. How does what you do on a daily basis impact your coworkers? How does it impact your customers? And how does it impact the communities you serve? And it's really easy to sell yourself short here if you're working for a big company. I just do these reports. I send them to (laughs) so-and-so. I don't know where they go. My job is completely mundane. Don't fall into that trap. A helpful way to look at it is to ask yourself, what would happen if I didn't do these things? So true. What would happen to my team? What would happen to our customers? What would happen to the communities we serve in the short term and in the long term? When you start to let your brain go there, what impact am I having and what would happen if I didn't do this? you become more connected to the purpose of your own work, regardless of what your company is doing. 
So don't make the the fatal mistake of waiting for your company to have the perfect statement, the perfect message, the perfect CEO, because oftentimes those things aren't going to come soon. But you cost yourself so much in the long term when you wait. So take control of your own mind and don't let yourself, again, throw your hands up because it's not perfectly laid out yet. You have the power to explore purpose in your role just as a party of one. I love that. I really do love that. And I don't know whether it's because I'm British uh, and we don't like to sort of like self-congratulate ourselves too much. But yeah. I can't tell you how many times, whether I was in corporate or outside con- consulting, it's really hard for lots of people to kind of really see the true benefit of what they do. They're just head down, it bum is. up work. And you don't have to say it out loud if it makes you uncomfortable. I see you British folks around here. We're not all, <laughs> I'm awesome, as we say in America. But just think about it. And even if it feels a little awkward and clunky, you're doing your brain a huge favor when you take it there. I think I think you are. And I think some of the most joyful things I've had the pleasure of helping people with over all the years is observing and putting forward a hypothesis for what their purpose or what they actually do and how it actually does benefit other people. And when you have somebody else talk about what you do in that kind of light, it's just beautiful to watch people's reactions. They kind of like put their shoulders back and their chins a little higher. And all of a sudden they think about themselves in a different way. And even just that physical state change makes amazing things happen. A little bit of self-belief. A little bit of self-belief. It's like that famous movie, It's a Wonderful Life, which comes (laughs) on every year of the holidays. We're not all going to have that moment, but when you see how what you do on a daily basis impacts the people around you in sometimes really profound ways, it changes you fundamentally as a person, as a leader, and as a teammate. It's so true. And and that's one of the reasons why I love talking about this topic. I can't not ask you while you're here, Elizabeth. So, I love I love our conversations. I really love this stuff about purpose. For me, I'd love to know what was the inspiration for you in even putting pen to paper on this stuff? What what was it that triggered inside you to say, no, you know what, I really need to write write this? Well, Selling with Noble Purpose was originally published in 2012, and I was not a co-author on the original. Mm. But when we when we started this conversation, we talked about how much has changed in business over the last year. That's certainly true over the last 10 years. So when Selling with Noble Purpose was first published in 2012, it was largely anecdotal. Mm. We didn't have the research. I say we, the founder of our firm, McLeod Amore, Lisa McLeod was the original author of that book. We didn't really have the research to back up our claims that these people and organizations who sold with a sense of purpose outsold their competitors. It was more just anecdotal, like, here's kind of what we think. (laughs) But in the ensuing decade, we worked with hundreds of organizations to make it a reality. So when we set out to publish the second edition of Selling with Noble Purpose, which I am a co-author on, we looked back at a decade of project work and tracked people's results, both individually as teams and as larger organizations. And we saw that without a shadow of a doubt, when purpose is made realized, when it is truly the North Star of the business, not some copy on a website, the results are absolutely incredible from employee engagement to customer advocacy to, again, overall organizational performance. So I think 
knowing that we had such irrefutable research on this built the case for we need to share this with the world. And I know tons of other books have been published on the purpose space in the last several years, in addition to our own. And the collective awakening that has taken place around this topic has been really inspiring to see. I know it is a great space. It really is. Look, we are rapidly running out of time, which saddens me greatly. But before I let you go, we've come to the part in the show I call Sticky Notes, Elizabeth, right? So what I'm looking to get from you here is your three best pearls of wisdom on how the listeners can forge a closer link between profit and purpose in this case that we can fit on three little post-it notes that people could take away. So what would your three Sticky Notes be today? My three Sticky Notes today would be, number one, articulate your ripple effect. How does what you do make a difference? Secondly, ask yourself what would happen if you didn't do all the stuff you do on a daily basis. That can help you get clear. And third, don't create a false dichotomy between profit and purpose. You deserve to have both. We all do. Those are three (laughs) fabulous sticky notes. And I particularly love number two. That, That question is such a great question to ask people. Elizabeth, I've so enjoyed seeing you again and speaking to you on, on this topic. I love the way you find great things to talk about and fabulous examples. And as time goes on, we're going to find more, right? More people are going to be doing great things. Every day, there is a new example of the case for purpose and what happens if you miss it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's both keep our eye on that and, and and keep talking. We will put links to the to the book. And all the things we've referenced today in the show notes. But just from your perspective, where, where's the best place for people to get hold of it? The best place for people to get hold of it is typically Amazon, but you can buy it at local bookstores as well. The title is Selling with Noble Purpose. Make sure you get the second edition. That is chock full of research and case studies. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I put a new article out and a live show every week on finding your purpose at work. Brilliant. Elizabeth, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Andy. Great chatting with you as always. Uh, my absolute pleasure. You take care. See you soon. Okay, everyone. That was Elizabeth Letardo. And if you'd like to find out a little bit about her or any of the things that we've talked about in today's show, please check out the show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>